This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Matt Goldman. I'm Michael Saka. And I'm Joelle Steiniger. Today we talked with Mike Brown Jr., partner at Bowery Capital. What do you guys think? Yeah, this was uh, this is one for anyone who's interested in sales. He goes through the entire sales stack, as he calls it, and gives us a ton of great products to use when building up that sales funnel. Yeah. We covered so many tools here, a lot that I'd never heard of, and he broke down the different steps of the funnel in a really clear way from pre-sales to sales to post-sales, and it clarified a lot of a process that I'm not too familiar with. All right, well, let's get into it. Um, But first, we wanted to thank uh, everyone who's leaving these great reviews for us on iTunes. 
Uh, I wanted to share one in particular from Josh Perlin. Josh said, can't say enough about this podcast. Well thought out questions, guests who are making things happen, and enough lessons to fill an Evernote notebook. Excited for more to come? Highly recommend for any founders, entrepreneurs, hackers, and marketers. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, and please go leave us a review. You have no idea how much it helps. It helps us reach more people and keep producing shows. Let's get into it. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Hover makes purchasing and managing your domain simple and easy. This week, I talked to Max of Why Decision about why he uses Hover. I was using Enom and GoDaddy for domain registrars, and I was looking for something different. I came across uh, Hover then. What I really liked about Hover was it was easy to use. I had a clean interface. I'm a designer by heart, so I I like things like that. Go to Hover.com and use the code SATISFIEDCUSTOMERS to get 10% off your domain purchase today. You know what a gator is? It's like an alligator. Yes. HostGator makes web hosting easy and affordable. With packages starting at just $3.96 a month, it's the easiest way to get your next project online. Go to HostGator forward slash promo forward slash rocket ship to get 30% off today. You've heard me rave about CodeShip before. It's because they're an incredible team building an amazing product that makes my days happier and my code more reliable. Recently, they shipped an incredible new feature. It's called Parallel CI, and it allows for faster testing than ever before. Early access customers like Product Hunt have improved their development speed tremendously. If you haven't yet, tell your dev team to start a free trial. They have a super generous free plan, and they also offer 20% off three months to all Rocketship listeners. Sign up at codeship.com forward slash rocketship. Like you are a partner at Bowery Capital, um, which is an early stage investment firm. Um, tell me kind of about your guys' philosophy in investing and what's your focus when you're looking for teams to invest in? Yeah, we're so I would say if you think about our fund, there's two key areas that you really want to have hone in on. So we're sort of all B2B all the time. So everything and anything that we do has to fit the lens of business software. Most of it is transformational to either marketing or IT organizations. So we usually sell into the CMO or the CTO is kind of an easy way to think about it. So that's kind of pillar number one. And the second pillar, which is obviously what we're going to talk about is we really don't in this world where venture funds can kind of be a Swiss army knife for you and do a lot of different things. We've actually taken the opposite approach and said, Hey, pretty much the only thing we're going to help you out with is sales and revenue. So interesting. And why did you guys choose that focus? Uh, Cause that's what is required to build a real company. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> So you guys actually started a podcast, um, which was originally, as I understand it, an internal podcast, and you guys have kind of opened it up. Um, What was kind of the motivation behind um, kind of sharing that with with the world, really? It was really twofold. I mean, we had a number of folks externally who did the podcast that wanted to share them with their teams and the you know, kind of broader ecosystem or or content spheres that they sat in. But then a lot of our founders said, hey, listen, this would be great from, you know, branding and marketing. And you guys talk to us a lot about this internally, but it isn't really touched upon externally. Um, You should kind of get this out there and, and, you know, promote it. 
kind of um, what has been the reception for you guys? It's been pretty positive. I mean, it's very specific in its approach. So we like that in, in most ways. Um, we're, we're really tracking a few key metrics and I'd say everything's been, been pretty positive. I actually, um, you know, learned a fair amount from you guys, to be honest, on, on how to do this right. So I would say it's been, it's been pretty good. I mean, we get a lot of outreach from young salespeople in SaaS companies who are interested in learning more or diving deeper onto those topics. So it's great to sort of connect folks in the community. Um, it's been awesome for our founders because there's a lot of challenges, especially pre-sales and, and post-sales related activities. Most of them kind of know how to sell products and services or they're kind of a natural at pitching their product. But setting up at least repeatable processes and using technology both in, in sort of before you sell and then after you sell is not something that any of them really knows from the outset. So it's great to, to sort of have them, you know, listen to the podcasts and then ask a lot of questions off of it. Um, and then the, the final thing is, has been, it's been pretty amazing for new investment because founders can really sort of Google us and, see, hey, what are these guys all about? I haven't heard of the fund. It's only been around for, you know, a short while. And once they once they do that, we can really see uh they can really see rather look the, oh wow, these guys have a sales podcast. This is pretty interesting. And then they obviously go and listen to five of them. And so we get a lot of, you know, qualitative emails of people saying, Wow, I didn't know you had this. This is amazing, you know, thank you type of stuff. That's really awesome. Um so I'm curious actually to to go back to what you said about your focus on uh, working with people specifically on sales and revenue building activities. When you decided to focus on that, were you seeing that there wasn't a focus or enough focus at all uh, in the industry or were people kind of focused on the wrong things and you found a better way to do it? I think, look, it's all good. Firms define themselves in terms of managing their portfolio and adding value to companies however they see fit and I'm not really one to judge that I think just the the size of our firm being a small seed investment fund we had to really pick an angle or pick an area that was going to have the highest degree of impact uh and then we were an investor in a lot of SaaS companies so you know for the past 7 years I had seen a lot of these founders get hung up on this very issue um, a lot of them can build product. A lot of them can hire in engineers. But on the sales side, you know, if you come from a technical background, you just generally don't have that upbringing and capability. Um, so it was it was sort of part we we had seen the challenge and the problem, and then part we just didn't have you know we didn't have a lot of resources, and so we had to focus. Um, so that's kind of specific to Bowery. I would say more external to the market. Yeah, I, I think that. In our business, at least business, you know, B2B software, SaaS software, um, it's it's increasingly important to to ensure that you have this capability very early on. And, and I, I would say I'm not sure why my peers haven't focused a ton on it, but uh, I just it's it, it's usually the biggest challenge that most companies face early on. Um, so well, yeah. let's we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, we, we kind of before, um, we talked about some of the, the kind of, uh, services that you, you recommend your companies use. And I'd love to hear about 
what you recommend at what stage in sales. Um, and if you, if you could take us through that a little bit, um, we talked about kind of three tiers, pre-sales, sales, and post-sales. And I'm hoping we can start with the pre-sales and talk about some of the software that people should be using and why at that stage. Yeah, so most of the, so the way you want to really think about this as a company is you're probably getting reached out and, and uh, reached out by and, and hit up by a lot of uh, people who are interested in your software. You probably put out a press release, you know, announcing your financing or something happened and um, you're, you're, you have some external event that creates some lead generation. Uh, most founders becomes really problematic if you're just going to sit in an Excel spreadsheet and try and deal with this in sort of Google Apps. Uh, it, it can be very, very daunting, and then you're obviously not developing developing any repeatability to it. So we kind of think about um, in pre-sales three core buckets: so CRM, lead management, and sales intelligence. So these are kind of the things that you need to buy upfront and very, very quickly uh, to actually capture the inbound that's coming. The best in-class product, which is obviously no surprise to anybody, is Salesforce for this. Um, So we sort of just encourage our founders, look, get a Salesforce instance, get that up and running. Um, You know, you can rely on other founders to give you the analytics and the reporting capabilities. It's all pretty self-explanatory. You're moving people through a funnel and you're sort of wanting you or your salespeople to consistently ingest and, and, and put data into that system of record. Um, some of the other ones I would think about that are more up and coming and, and our companies have had a lot of success with, uh, one of them is now actually acquired by Salesforce called Relate IQ, which actually is our system of record here um, for what it's worth. And that company, you know, largely provided not only the system of record that Salesforce did, but it allowed the teams to essentially work together um, and share all of the data and information. So you're moving from people having to input all this information to it just existing by virtue of the fact uh, that it's connecting to your, you know, LinkedIn information, all your email um, any of your sort of external third party data that you bring in or license. Um, so uh, that's enough. So, so definitely relate IQ, I'd say, is, is up and coming, but something that people use a lot. And then the third one, I'd say, is Sugar CRM. And I only say it because some folks have a very specific sales process um, and they're very uh, sort of technical about how they operate and, and the industries that they operate in. And so Sugar, we found to be really good because it's highly modular and it's not as sort of, you know, walled garden as Salesforce is. So you can do a lot with the tool from a flexibility standpoint. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So, so that's CRM. On lead management, I, I won't touch a lot on these companies, but I will say that uh, you're going you're gonna to start to basically generate and track leads uh, in conjunction with, you know, or, or, or your CRM kind of bolts into your lead management software. Most of the firms that you hear about are sort of your HubSpot, Marketo, Pardot, Eloqua. We don't really recommend, especially at the early stages, that companies buy expensive lead management products. So, you know, HubSpot has a jumpstart program. It's $80 um, per month. It's really cheap. The, the software is as good as it gets in this um, you know, early, early stage of a business. Um, probably the largest area we see people fall down is they buy Marketo for its 
lead qualification capabilities, but the cost of the product is just so significant and it's really, really hard to make that worth your time, especially when you're at, you know, let's say seed financed or, or have less than a few million dollars in your business. So on the, the Marketo, can you kind of um, elaborate a little bit on what's, um, what that lead intelligence is or, or how they're qualifying it? Yeah, so this is sort of the Hatfields and the McCoys of uh, our industry, right? HubSpot. <laughs> HubSpot has sort of taken the approach on lead management of ingest pretty much everything and anything and your website or your inside sales team or your outbound selling efforts are really going to drive, you know, the qualification. So put it all at the top of the funnel. Don't worry about it. HubSpot will do nurture and drip campaigns on everyone. And then it's really up to the team to qualify. So they really didn't pay much attention to an automated lead score or, or an automated engine that helps you really determine higher or lower quality leads. Okay. The opposite of this was Marketo, where they basically said, hey, listen, we care so much about the lead scoring engine. And if you get, you know, someone fills out a form on your website or if you get a, you know, inside salesperson talking to someone in a demo um, or if there's a direct sales conversation, those should all be treated very, very differently. They should all be sort of thought of differently and um, as we move people through the funnel, the lead scoring engine updates and, and the drip campaigns and all the sort of, um, you know, marketing that, that you're doing through lead management changes as a result of that in an automated fashion. So it has nothing to do really with um, the externality of, of your sales team. I see. Uh, we, so, so, but, but as a startup, it's very attractive. And especially if you're in a transaction oriented business, meaning low price software where it can be bought right on a site. You want to believe that that Marketo engine is going to be great for you because you can essentially alleviate a lot of discussions with people. But I would say the co- we haven't found, at least in our portfolio companies, we haven't found the cost. It's very expensive software to be sufficient enough to really you know, override um, HubSpot's jumpstart program right now, at least. Let's get into the sales intelligence. I, I really like this area and I'd love to hear kind of what you recommend for people to be using when, they're, when, when they use this kind of um, data intelligence for their sales. Yeah, so there's, there's been um, a number of, you know, essentially you have your CRM, you, you handle some sort of nurturing campaigns and lead management. And then oftentimes your salespeople uh, want more information about said account or want to be able to essentially build their own pipeline. Well, how do they do that? You know, they use a multitude of tools, but I'll give you sort of the two or three that we really love. Salesforce has a product called data.com. It's pretty well known by pretty, but by everyone. Um, It's, you know, essentially from about 25 bucks a month to about 150 bucks a month, depending upon what you want. But where that that product has been uh, very, very effective is if you use Salesforce as your CRM and you have a lot of um, data that has been input by salespeople that isn't ultimately, um, you know, either correct or as large of a data set as you want. I mean, salespeople, as pretty much anyone who listens to this podcast knows, hate uh, dealing with, uh, you know, ingesting and and putting in their own. Yep sales information. So uh, what data.com does, both from the standpoint of develop a broader point of view, um, but they'll also do uh, data cleanup, which is super uh, important. 
Um, Inside View is another really good product. That's a, a traditional sales intelligence solution that a, that a lot of people use today. Um, work works pretty well and works in a similar way as um, Data.com does. The one challenge I would say with Inside View, they're getting better at this, is the um, you know social media component of what they ingest into your CRM can get very very daunting. So they have way too many fields, and you're going to get almost too much information on a potential customer. Um, so I would just be careful if you do use that. Um, and then the last one I'll mention is sales genie. We, you know, companies use that, uh, as well. And, and, and that can be pretty effective too. The, the downside there is a little bit different, um, from inside view. It's, it's more from the standpoint of the data quality, I would say is, is not as good as a data.com or, or the other, uh, or inside view. So. So how do you know when you move from kind of the pre-sales process to the sales process? Yeah, so you'll so you're sort of not lock stepping this like like or or you're not you're not sort of thinking about this in the same way that we are, but from an entrepreneur standpoint, you really you know, you're not you're going to want to develop all these sales tools and and the frameworks before you go out and sell a product or service. But the reality of the situation is, is it never works that way and you have a million things going on. So we sort of just encourage our founders to block off time, maybe the two or three Fridays before you actually put out a press release and launch and just devote it to, hey, I'm going to get all of my pre-sales tools up and running just so I have it. I know it's not going to work as well as you know I want it to and I know it's not going to be as great as, you know, um, uh, some large SaaS companies uh, mm-hmm. tooling, but but just devote a little bit of time, get your your sort of pre-sales effort ready to go up and running because it save you a lot of time um, down the line. And don't worry about the fact that you're going to have to kind of iterate and, and change stuff around. That's natural. That will happen. You'll have different types of customers, different types of data. Um, nurture campaigns will be different They'll, and everything will need to change. So I, I wouldn't... Um, you know, focus a ton on, on the, the quality of it, just getting it up and running. So you have your system of record, your marketing automation, and then some sales intelligence. Once you have that done and, or, and this is why I, I say the end or you are basically, um, losing accounts or not, not able to actually manage a, a sale effectively, then you really need to ensure that you have appropriate, you know, sales, uh, tooling. So the, the second pillar above pre-sales would be sales, you know, and now you're actually, you've got your kind of tools, you, you sort of know how to ingest data, you know, how to nurture potential leads. Now you're going to actually go out and sell a product or service. How do you, how do you do that? Um, and again, we have kind of three pieces to that. So there's collateral management, there's communications tools, and then there's basically sales enablement, um, which, which uh, most folks know that this piece uh, over the other two. So collateral management, the undisputed leader in that space is really clear slide. In our opinion, we work with the company, you know, a lot the, the, the product is extremely cheap. It's, it's essentially an analytical sales tool when you are delivering demos, um, you know, we'll, we'll really tell you what's working, what's not working, what components of the pitch are working, what components of the pitch are not working very, very effective for you to sort of um, pivot and move your own, uh, you know, selling equation and, and, and selling uh, transcript through, uh, you know, a, a very rigorous 
product. So we just, we don't, we really just tell people just buy the software and use that. There, there are a number of other ones, but I'm not sure they're worth going into. I had a quick question about the clear slide. Is it actually like managing the engagement um, when you send a slide to someone or how does it know the effectiveness? So they have basically a bunch of different customer facing uh, interaction points. So you can send through email, you can do a you know web demo, or you can do in the clear slide panel a face to face. You know if you're meeting someone face to face, they look at they look at you know mouse movements, they look at viewability times, they look at email opens, they look at responses. There's a number of things that they essentially go in and 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 map, and then they they essentially put it all into a central database and deliver you back a set of sort of business intelligence and and business analytics that says, hey, this resonates, this doesn't, change this, do this to that, you know, move things around. Um, there's a lot more under the hood, but for the purposes of the discussion, it's you know basically just giving you analytics. So that as you are selling in the market, you know whether your pitch is resonating or things are coming off, um, you know, correctly or incorrectly to people. Very cool. Very yeah, I hadn't actually heard of that. Yeah, so those guys are great. Um, communicate. You're obviously going to need so moving to communications tools. You're obviously going to need a method of communication to talk to people. You have to communicate with potential customers. Um, there's two schools of thought for this. I would say a lot of people take the cheap or near free approach. Um, so most folks have heard of like Uber conference and go to meeting and join.me. Those are and WebEx. Those are awesome and, and totally fine. And they work very well. Couple that people don't know about that we've actually started to use, um, internally. And then a bunch of our companies have started to use one company called blue jeans, which is, um, a phenomenal uh, product that you know, if you if you do have the budget for, is is really really good at more effective video conferencing. Um, so they've built a pretty incredible solution that solves for a lot of the latency issues in video conferencing. Um, and if you're ever doing video related uh, sales pitches, you you probably for the, they are expensive, but they they are probably one of the best solutions out there. And then the uh, other one, which is a little bit lower priced, um, and a bunch of our companies are using to a large degree of success, but it's still a very new product, is one called High Five. So they sell actually a physical piece of hardware that you put on top of your computer uh, or your or your TV, and it has um, the same type of latency problem solving capabilities. There's a lot of multi tenant and multi. Uh, use elements built into it, so you can have sales teams in all different areas. And we and we've actually uh, used it across devices too. So you can have your Android phone with video, and then you can someone else can be on a computer, and then someone else can be in a conference room, and it's pretty amazing. So if you get a chance to get on their um, invite list, it's a great new early product that some of our companies have used. Yeah, very cool. Um, I hadn't even heard of that one either. Um, just checking it out, that looks amazing. Yeah, they're really good. And then sales enablement is really the last piece of your of your sort of sales, you know, toolkit. And these are sort of helping similar to sort of the pre-sales efforts of using data to keep you more informed about your your potential lead. These really are for frontline salespeople to help them prepare for those actual customer interactions. And so the uh, a lot a lot of people have heard of sort of like Catalyst Cloud. Yesware is another one that's that's really really well known um, to folks. 
There are two that I'll mention that don't uh, that are that are emerging and recent, and one is a is a little bit farther along. So uh, if if you care about sort of keeping uh, post uh, your initial sales conversation um, intact and and maintaining the follow up and and the consistency of approach to that potential lead, there is a company called Tout, which a lot a lot of a lot of sort of SaaS companies use and, and will know. And um, it's a, it's a great tool for maintaining communication as a salesperson with your potential customers. Um, it's a great tool for sort of, you know, continuing to interact in an automated manner. You, you just kind of set it up, uh, set the flows and then, um, you know, kind of set it and forget it if you, if you will. And then another one, which is extremely new that not many people will know about, but we have two of our portfolio companies using it and it's very, very powerful, is one called um, Outreach. And so that company uh, essentially competes with Tout. And and the difference, though, is when you are uh, able to close a sale, they then build a lot of the um, campaign or or sort of um, interaction and communication connected into your customer service organization. So that handoff between sales and and customer service or customer success, and then all of the associated organizations. So if you move to a legal contract, there's a set of communication protocols that need to happen. If you move to a signed contract, a different set of protocols need to need to happen. Um, And so these guys are great at at really providing automated ways for your salespeople to to communicate and interact. Um, Very cool. If you can check out Tout and and Outreach because those guys are doing great things. So now you've got kind of your sales process, and now let's talk about the post sale. Um, how do you how do you manage the follow up and some of the social engagement and the customer service that comes um, post sale? So you basically have obviously set up all your pre-sales tooling. You've gotten a, a, a foundation for actually how you're going to go out and sell a product or service. You've then gone out to market and used all these great tools to help you sell the thing. Now, after you've, you've sold to them, what do you do? How do you keep in touch? Um, what sort of protocols do you put in place um, to, to maintain a lot of that, um, uh, a lot of that. And, the way to think about this is not, I don't mean post sales here from the standpoint of you've sold the product or service already. Um, this kind of is you've already gotten uh, through a set of communications and now you really want to keep in touch um, with that person. So you can think of this both from a like sort of the end of your sales process, but then also from the customer service piece. A lot of people just think of it from the customer service piece, but it isn't, it isn't 100%. Um, that um, and so we break this down really into three pieces as well. So there's sort of email marketing in terms of you know, you got to kind of mass communicate with your with your um, leads that are down in the funnel, and then also your your uh, existing customer base. Um, there's a kind of social engagement piece which we touch on, um, which is social media relationships, and then there's customer service, which is sort of what everybody knows about this um, tools that help you manage. Um, the customer service and the, the support requests and, and things like that. Um, the, on the email side, pretty much everybody has their flavor of vendors. Um, you can go sort of, you know, cheap, uh, you know, kind of expensive and then really expensive. Um, 
you know, you're, you're on the really expensive side if you're a larger SaaS company and you need a lot of sort of individual personalization as it relates to email. Um, there are a tremendous amount of people who buy exact target, uh, sail through, um, uh, you know, responses, these type of companies. Uh, if you're sort of more low end in the, in the, the flavor of kind of a startup company, you probably are buying either MailChimp or constant contact or sort of the two names that people know. And then even if you're kind of lower end, there's the sort of send grid and, and those type of companies um, that are a little bit more transactional um, and mass in their scale. Um, so that's, that's sort of email social, you obviously have a, a existing customer base you want to communicate with. You have an, you have an audience um, beyond that, that, that you're trying to sell a product to. Um, and so we uh, pretty much recommend Hootsuite or Buffer from, from the outset. They're really good tools. They're very easy to understand. Um, you, don't, you don't need to get uh, crazy about this. Um, if you do move upstream, you can look at, at products or services like uh, Social Flow, but not entirely sure, especially in the, the SaaS world, that they're, they're completely necessary. Um, so just buy a, buy a base-level product um, for communications with existing customers and, and uh, late-stage leads in your funnel um, from a social engagement standpoint. And then customer success um, is really the one that everybody sort of talks about and knows. The few that I'll recommend here, so Zendesk is sort of the market leader, and most people know this business. Um, it's helpful from two uh, ways, especially as an early-stage company. First, um, it allows you to really repeat communication with uh, uh, your existing customers and set up a very simple and, and sort of easy to understand, quote-unquote, help desk. But the other thing that a lot of people don't realize is that all that information is captured, and then you're able, able to create sort of an FAQ or an information repository through these interactions. So you don't actually have to sit there and spend you know hours upon hours upon hours writing you know a, a custom wiki or or whatever um, for an FAQ Zendesk now with the product that will all sort of spin up and and be created for you. So pretty much, if any of you buy you know consumer software, you've obviously gone to a fact page or help page. Those today generally are, are mostly powered by Zendesk. Um, the other one I'll mention it, again, coming back to the kind of Salesforce uh, product is desk.com. Surprisingly, a lot of people like this largely because of the connectedness into the CRM. Um, so it allows you to keep all of the information in your CRM um, and then, Desk.com serves as the front end that's similar to a to a Zendesk, um, and and really gets people, uh, you know, interacting on the site. They have a set of rules engines that actually will sort of communicate based on a certain set of variables. So you could say, hey, every 15, 30, 45 days, communicate with this customer and say this or that to them. Um, so there's kind of a nurture campaign or a, or a keeping in, in communication campaign with people that they do um, a good job of. Um, so those two would be, I guess, from a customer service standpoint, those two are, are pretty good and we recommend them pretty heavily. Yeah. Lately with with our product HookFeed, we've been looking for ways to export data. Um, and what we learned is Help Scout, I know Zendesk, I think Desk.com too, uh, have ways to populate the sidebar of the page. So when you're talking to a customer, you can pull in data from a lot of these um, pre-sales or sales tools, yeah. and it carries everything that you've been collecting since day one through to your customer support tool and really makes it into more of a customer success product. So 
um, those are all really good at that too. Yeah, sure. Um, and then the last, I'll, I'll just say, so there's two macro points that uh, I'll sort of make in closing about the entirety of the sales tooling world. Um, the first of which is all of these tools that I've mentioned to you are amazing and awesome but the budget will add up pretty quickly. So I don't suggest that people go out tomorrow and spend, you know, $5,000 a month buying every single one of these things. Um, You can really, especially at the early stages of a business, we find that you can really just get away with a CRM, a really cheap marketing automation engine, and then some, uh, you know, sales collateral or, or, or communication management, uh, piece. I mean, the kind of sales pillar. So buy ClearSlide and, and buy some of these companies because you actually have to sell. The post-sales tooling, it, it kind of can come later. And most of this can be built through, you know, uh, a wiki that you create initially. Um, you know, even, even though the pricing has come down substantially, we still find that founders will start, sort of scratch their head when we recommend all these things and say, wow, this is just like really expensive and <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure I can, yeah. I can buy all of it. Um, and then, so that's one thing. Don't feel like you have to, you have to spend a lot of money on all of this stuff. And, and, you know, CRM is really the base layer for, for everything. So that's, I would say, if you were going to hold a gun to my head, the only thing that I think you really need. Um, and then the second piece is all of this stuff that you're now going to buy, you really are, are ultimately going to hold some, or a multitude of people accountable for these components, so pre-sales, sales, and post-sales. Uh, easily explained, this is your sales people, the people who actually go out and, and put information into the CRM or sell the product or deal with the customer success. So over the top of all three of these things, you are going to need some level of analytics and business intelligence. Um, so I would say not very early on in your company's life, but um, you know when you when you do have a number of customers and you are starting to start sort of care about this, the two best companies in this category right now, one is called Exactly, um, so that is effectively helping you manage this entire process um, from pre-selling through to post-selling for the individual salespeople. And the second one, which is very new, but doing a great job with this is called Clary, C-L-A-R-I. Um, and so that's kind of a forecasting and, a, a, you know, most people sort of hack this all together right now in spreadsheets and, you know, oh, how is my post-sales organization doing? How is my sales organization doing? How is my pre-sales effort doing? Uh, these two companies will help you do this in a much more automated manner. That is awesome. That I've is been looking for something like Clary, actually, and I, I yes. didn't know it existed. Yeah, so these guys are, um, you know, they're very new, but they came at the problem as a group of salespeople themselves. So um, they understand it substantially. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this. This has been a wealth of information. Um, Where can we keep up with you and where do we find the podcast online? Yeah, so our podcast, if you just Google Bowery Capital Podcast, it'll be the first thing that comes up, I think. I'm pretty sure. Um, if not, it's bowerycap.com uh, slash blog slash uh, startup sales podcast. And that's where you can find us. And then all of this information that I've discussed, we have floating around on various uh, slide share instances and social media instances, a guide to startup sales tools. Um, so 
pretty much running through every single one of the vendors, the pricing, why you should care about them for every one of these, you know, pillars that I talk about. Uh, it's about an 80 page document. You can print it out, walk through it, pick a few of the vendors that you like, um, tell them Bowery Capital sent you and you'll probably get a better deal. <laughs> we will actually, yeah, definitely. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, sure guys. Thanks for having me on. Looking for more entrepreneurial content? Check out this week's Bowery podcast, where Mike talks about unique angles on customer service with Whitney Hillier of Bitly. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to be thinking about customer success from the beginning. It doesn't necessarily mean that you need to hire a customer success team um, on day one or, or, you know, when you ha- get your first customer. But again, making sure that, you know, once you have sort of that base of business and making sure that you have people who are, are solely focused on them, because what they need to do is they need to not just, you know, manage those clients, keep them happy, renew them, answer their questions, train them, that kind of stuff. But they also have to take all of their feedback and they really have to loop that in with product. So I try to tell people all the time not to necessarily, like when you think of customer success, you actually sort of have to couple that with both sales and product because the customer success team plays such an integral role in both of those things. And when you're looking at product development, you really have to make sure you have those, you know, customer success professionals who can, you know, take what the customer says and, and translate it into, you know, conversations with the product team. Search for Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast in iTunes today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And make sure to check out our app discount section where we feature discounts from amazing companies like Treehouse, Wistia, Woo Themes, all giving you exclusive discounts for being a Rocketship listener. So go to rocketship.fm forward slash essentials.